Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? Anecdotally, I can tell you that's true. If it's too hot, I cannot sleep well. So if you wake up too hot or cold, I recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets, inspired by silver-infused fabrics made by NASA. Miracle Made makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Self-cooling properties for better sleep. Using silver-infused fabrics originally developed by NASA, Miracle Brand sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you better get sleep so you get better sleep every night. And then you better get sleep because your sleep is better. Self-cleaning. These sheets are infused with natural silver that prevents 99.9% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands. They are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling sheets? And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one, just in time for some spring gifting. It's better for your skin, too. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets means less bacteria to clog your pores and fewer breakouts and other skin problems. So if you're ready to try it, go to trymiracle.com slash mighty. That's T-R-Y-M-I-R-A-C-L-E dot com slash M-I-G-H-T-Y to try it today or to gift it to someone special. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. Be sure to use our promo code MIGHTY at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. And Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash mighty and use the code mighty to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash mighty. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one book boy, standing six foot two, three hundred and four pounds from the south shore of 
Nassau County, Long Island, it's Johnny G. All you gotta do is trust me. Jackson, Maine, what are you doing here? Abortion is healthcare. I agree with you on that, but you're still a dated reference. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout-out. Arthur is a dog, not my child. He's currently sleeping in the living room. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, fellow HeadGum fam from the podcast Fake the Nation, we got Nuggy Versace. Hello! Oh my God! And you know what? Um, I have to mention. You said that you're six foot two, and you, but you have the face of someone who's five foot eleven. Thank you and so I, much. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I thought you would want to hear that. So thank you. Men love being called shorter than they really are. That's one thing. That's one thing everyone knows about us guys. Yeah, we never lie. Yeah. I'm not exactly six one and three quarters, but go by six two in the streets. <laughs> My husband does some uh, some height lying as well uh, on the street. So, you know, I'm around I'm around men who lie about their height all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're around men, you're around people lying about their heights. Don't worry. Um, I'm so glad I'm so glad you got to do this. We've been both on headgum for so long and our paths haven't crossed in the uh, podcasting realm. So I'm, I'm delighted to get into it. I know. I mean, you're a legend of podcasting and of comedy in general, but I would say specifically of podcasting. Um, I've really found so- my my little uh, my little niche here in doing four hundred over four hundred episodes of this dumb show, High and Mighty. I, I shouldn't <sighs> undersell it to my guest who's doing it for the first time, but. <laughs> <laughs> This garbage show that you're on. This absolute bullshit that mostly just gets guests canceled. But uh, let's have fun. <laughs> well, can I say there was one joke? I watched the um, part of the Oscars, like the first, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes or something. And um, it was before I just got too sleepy. I got too sleepy <laughs> and I had to just turn in, you know. Um, but uh, But Kimmel made a joke that was like, that base. I don't really, Oh, this is horrible because now I don't really specifically remember what the joke was. But the, the result was just sort of. He was like, "Oh, I like you know seeing these celebrities in the room and and all of the you know the the movies that they make or whatever m- m- reminds me how silly our jobs are." And yeah. that really resonated with me. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh my god, I get so stressed out about this job that is the dumbest." So yeah, I, I'm in imba- Like I'm embarrassed if I really start unpacking how much I think about or how much I stress about what ostensibly is talking on the computer to people. <laughs> like, like it's it's humiliating, kind of. Like, uh, I, like I can't believe how much of my happiness is tied up in the success of something that I can't explain how to make it successful or not like yeah com- totally. comedy is so interesting it's just like i'm really if uh, make or break i'm happy if comedy works for me it's like how does comedy work for you i'm like i still haven't figured it out i'm 41 and i don't see it happening anytime i've been doing comedy for 20 something years now still ain't sorted it out so I, I, get, <laughs> I get like um i like i start sweating when like younger comics ask me for advice and stuff like that i just am like oh uh yeah so uh what you do is oh god i don't know yeah i know i feel like i I feel like i'm in the pool like just treading water splashing like gasping for air and someone's like hey how do you do the 100 meter butterfly and i'm like oh fucking no man you do you man good luck out there i'm just fucking trying to stay alive here throw me a fucking raft (laughs) throw me a day player role quick stay alive (laughs) i need health insurance man (laughs) oh god uh well 
Nagin, when uh, we were talking about what topic you won, you threw out curmudgeons. Which yeah. What did that I make re- you think? That was really appealed to me because curmudgeon doesn't mean angry asshole. Right. And like there's so many there's so much true anger out there in the world right now and because we have access to everyone's thoughts at any given moment, not ideal, but there's so much anger out there but there's something like lost on the curmudgeon. You know, like they're mm. like that that's just a cranky old person who or, or cranky person that still is capable of love that is capable of understanding. They're just a little curmudgeonly. Did, does it mean something else to you or what inspired your, your like, what made you want to talk about it? Do you yeah, consider I, yourself a curmudgeon? I guess is a great place to start. No, I actually, I, 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 th- I consider myself the opposite of a curmudgeon. I think I'm pretty optimistic and I general, I think, I mean, look, I, no one's, someone else will tell you if this is incorrect, but I think most people would say that I'm pretty, like an upbeat person. <laughs> yes. That, so, listening to Fake the Nation, I would not have assumed, like, I didn't think you were pitching on your behalf. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, an yeah, expert yeah. curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, yeah. I So I think, so I, it's funny because it was sort of like, you know, one of those knee-jerk reactions, like, oh, we need to talk about curmudgeons because you're right. In, like, culture, curmudgeon has this, like, grand history, right? Where, like, every... I feel like every 80s movie had like a curmudgeon as part of the cast. And then, um, you know, or like every sitcom, you know, there's like a curmudgeon in that office sitcom or whatever. Yeah, like, like the, the arms, office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The office has like multiple curmudgeons. Um, and then, but just like at every um, sitcom, I think from the 80s, 90s, 2010s and today um, has a curmudgeon. The curmudgeon is such a like beloved cultural figure because they create this sort of like friction that isn't horrible, um, but it has to be like sort of dealt with, low-key low dealt with all the time. It's the and, grain of sand in the oyster that makes the pearl. It doesn't kill the oyster. It doesn't upset. Yes. Uh, it doesn't ruin the taste of the oyster, but it brings the pearl. It's the agitation. It's the story engine for oh, a lot of these. What you know, is yeah. it, well, look, that is the the perfect metaphor. It is in fact the grain of sand that that, that helps create the uh, the pearl. Shout out um, my therapist who I stole that from. <laughs> <laughs> I Thank was like, you, that's, a, that's that's very poetic for a comedian. Okay. Yeah, no, no, my ther- my my therapist <laughs> explained that to us. <laughs> um, but you know, so so I love the kind of cultural role of the curmudgeon uh, in in film and television, and then I I think that there's this thing that happens now, which every where everyone is angry, so they go a step beyond curmudgeon, and I'm like, guys, if you want to be angry. Keep it at curmudgeon levels. Don't go to like angry and mean levels because then it's not fun anymore. Like curmudgeons are fun. Mean, ragey people are not fun. Uh, so I so I kind of like part of the reason I want to talk about it is just like this cultural moment we're in um, where people aren't um, like don't know how to keep their anger at, at a fun pace. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think I think you kind of said something like there's something about the curmudgeon and using like these sitcoms as an example. It's just like this is the cranky character who we kind of have to like rolls his eyes at the office shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, often played by a, 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 it's often a male character. Yeah. But 
there's something now that that sense of humor where someone is a little cranky or antithetical to what's going on, antagonistic to what's going on around them is funny, is humorous. You know that from growing up and pulling that shit with your parents. It is funny to be like, no, like there's something, there's a power in that. But I think in recent years, more than ever before, there's been like, obviously we we're kind of getting a little divided and being mean to who we perceive as the enemy is kind of been green lit in a weird way where yeah. it's kind of like even like the liberals, the uh, everyone belongs uh, under our uh, tent. Every, uh, we're open minded. Uh, we, we've gotten mean because we're allowed to be mean about Marjorie Taylor Greene. We're allowed to be mean about yes. Mitch McConnell because they're awful people. They're they're beyond like, but. We're not being curmudgeonly anymore. Now we're being pure. It's vitriolic. And then that's what they're throwing back too. I feel like it's like we're, it's not just like, oh, like no one rolls their eyes at like drag queen story hour. Now it's like stand outside with machine guns at drag queen story hour. It's like you can be a curmudgeon of like the world is moving too fast for me. But the second you're like voting against human interests or uh, attacking people or uh, for their beliefs, you're, you're wrong. Like you're past curmudgeon. Just be cranky about like I don't want to hear about yeah, the drag queen. Cranky? Why do you have to go nuts? And and that's absolutely right. I would love to get back to the place where Marjorie Taylor Greene is just like an irritation and not like this horribleness. And uh, right, because- we could just roll our eyes and go like, yeah, yeah. here she goes here again. Here she but- goes. Well, and there's a there's a few things I think actually. I may have responded to this email when I was taking a train to go do a gig in D.C. and I went to the new Penn Station. Shout out the Daniel Patrick Moynihan Hall. Um, I haven't been yet. I co- it is gorgeous. I have Long Island on my bicep. I'm from there. I commuted <laughs> I commuted for the first year and a half, you, a year from my mom's house into the city. So yes. I know Penn Station well. You I've, know Penn Station. You know the underground. Why did anyone ever think that was a good idea? Penn Station. And I'm so sorry to all your listeners that are in the rest of the country, but like this is one of those like iconic stations in all of America is this train station. It moves so many people. Um, And it was like in this underground lair that was just light deprived and depressing. It was like a steam. It was like a funky steam room, like a umami steam. Like it was steamy and stinky. And um, it had roses, pizza and pasta, which was always worth it because for a giant fucking slice of pizza, you can and a 40 ounce beer. You can really make the commute home to want to a cruise but that so i haven't been since it's new tell do tell tell me what so Mr. i want so doing. all of the the like um just to like a quick review on the the past offerings of penn station were very much in the vein of what you're talking about these kind of like more um seedy slices of pizza um bags of <laughs> potato chips that have just like a some dust on them. You know when you grab a uh, some a bag of potato chips and it's dusty and you're like I'm going to buy that anyway. That's kind of that was the feeling of the of the last Penn Station. Now the current beautiful Moynihan station. Um the food is more upscale. Uh it's definitely like more um there there's definitely more 
just like farm to table, some French offerings, some Mediterranean offerings. Like it's just all around um, more lovely, more fancy. But you can still get like some really bad fried food. Like that's what I need. Yeah, yeah. You and you will have that. Um, but take it from a a man who spent a, a few nights. In between the 144 and the 405, like the late night trains back on my old train oh, line, like yeah. if you didn't make the 144, the next train was like three something. Like, yes. It, it, it's usually every hour except for this one gap where it's like two and a half and you would just be at the bar and all the other, I was a PA at VH1, we'd all be like, we're fucking getting wasted tonight. I'm like, okay, it's, it's two o'clock now. Tell me if we're staying out till four because then I'm... I'll skip my train, but if we're, and I'll always, I'll skip the train. And then everyone's like, I'm probably going to just head back to Brooklyn now. And I'm like, no, no, I got 90 minutes at Penn station. One of the weirdest <laughs> By places. <myself>. In- <laughs> yeah. <It's> brutal. <laughs> what you, did you ever like just take out a magazine and start reading like a super weirdo at three o'clock in the morning? No, at that point, this was like, yeah. Cause it wasn't like pre phones and stuff like pre serious phone. I think I had like, a fucking team Nokia. I, I had an iPod so I could maybe listen to music, but I, I would get there, get like a giant. And I would always be like, I need one more beer. That's what I need is like right now. <laughs> now I'm a 41 year old man. Who's getting nauseous being like, if you would have drank water, your whole next day would have been easier. Instead. I'm getting <laughs> but the 24 way, ounce PBR at two 30 in the morning. I, oh, perfect. I, came, I came home at the other night. I had, one glass of wine, which was, by the way, the first glass of wine I had had in like four months. Like, I don't really drink. I mean, I, which a lot of people attribute to me being a Muslim, uh, which um, <laughs> I'd love to say that I'm like such a good Muslim that I don't drink. And it's really because they give they trigger migraines. So I don't do it. But but I, but let, but let, don't tell Allah like you can he can think whatever. But um, he's the one giving I, you, they're the one giving you migraines. Well, exactly. Yeah. So like I want answers also. But um. Um, is I, I so I had this one glass of wine and I came home and I was just feeling invincible and I had a slice of pizza at like 11 p.m. My entire body shut down for like the next 16 hours. <laughs> like, yeah. like ha- having a slice of pizza at 11 p.m. Like as an adult, that just doesn't that does no. not work anymore. I- I used to be like a crazy party animal and then eventually like you could just recover from it, do whatever, eat, drink, whatever, sniff, whatever you'll recover from it. Then you get a little older and you're like, fuck, this is beating me up, but I can handle the ass kicking. Like you're like, all right, well, I'm going to be brutally hungover at work tomorrow, but I'm enough of a substance abuser at this point that I could just handle (laughs) being brutally hungover at work. And because I know I'll start and and I'll eventually kick back, eat nasty. I'll drink a couple of coffees, have a couple of Gatorades. I'll bounce back. Then it gets to a point where you start going like, I can't handle being hungover tomorrow. Like I can't like I have things of importance or uh, it affects me so much that I just can't. So you have to like start being smart. And I host a travel show where I go partying around the country with my best friend. And I haven't even I've, I've I think I've been on the beers like three times since Christmas. Like, I just oh, do not absolutely. get drunk anymore. I can't no, I cannot it's too do it. Difficult. By the way, did you ever live in the UK or spend any significant time in the UK? I have not. But I played rugby in America. So I spent a lot of time around British New Yorkers. Not OK, the same so thing, I don't but, know yeah. how British New Yorkers are comporting themselves, but I lived in London for a minute. Um, where, by the way, I was a, um, 
I, I was a cashier, um, a barista, and a waitress at Pizza Hut by Hell Victoria yeah. Station. Yeah, I went all the way across the pond to be a waitress at a fucking Pizza Hut. That's how fucking cool I am. Um, and the, and and the British they will order prawns on their pizza like psychopaths, uh, which are by the way we call them shrimp. You know what I mean? Why why do you call them prawns? Um, <laughs> but so and and I and it was. And it's funny. I, obviously, the British have have a reputation for drinking. Like that's no that is no surprise. I knew that going in. I sort of, but you don't really know until you experience it how much they drink. Like it is wild. And I, I mean, I remember doing a show at Edinburgh in Scotland, um, and my the show was like at six p.m. I mean, the audience was so drunk by six p.m. I mean, they start. The second they're like at the pub, they try and get drunk as quickly as possible. I mean, it is it's it's ridiculous. So they got I was, they got cask ale, which is room temperature, slightly less carbonated beer. Yes. What does that? What is <laughs> beer that's cold and carbonated? <laughs> cold and carbonation is hard to drink fast. A uh, flatter, slightly yeah. less cold beer easier is to easier chug. to drink, and that's yep. yeah. Uh, the r- rugby New York City. I mean, I guess. Rugby is also a self-selecting kind of thing, too. These guys were on the piss. Everything was like a cheeky pint before practice. Like cheeky pint became a <laughs> phrase I had never heard of. And it was always like a way to sneak another beer or two in. Like, why don't we have a cheeky pint on the way to dinner? Like, oh, you it's, you done early? And I'm like, more beers before dinner? Okay, guys, let's go. <laughs> it's outrageous. They And also, I just think, like, genetically, they must have the gene or whatever. that Because I cannot process. I could never process as much as they were drinking. And then the other... So the funny thing, you, you mentioned, like, the Gatorade and, like, the nasty food the next morning. So in the... I remember when I moved to London, friends of mine were just, like, bought me a package of Alka-Seltzer. They are so intense about consuming Alka-Seltzer because that's their like hangover thing. And I don't and I would love for like British listeners to like reach out and tell me if this is still the case or if this was just like the early 2000s. But like I uh, there there was I was around a lot of Alka-Seltzer. That was the way they dealt with it. And I don't even I don't feel like that's something as an American I ever I never Alka-Seltzered my way through drunkenness or a hangover. Did you? No, no. And the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it was always like Tylenol and fluids and maybe like some greasy breakfast, maybe some weed, maybe some uh, uh, caffeine would be like the the way through it. But uh, Alka-Seltzer makes so I, I know it from movies, like a lot of like 70s oh, movies feature right. like movies. a guy is like, oh, Christ, here, have this, you know, and it's like now I'm OK. But like I'm not I'm not I don't in my lifelong, you know, I've been drinking heavily for 30 something uh, 28 years now or whatever i've never seen a guy cra- uh, a person crack open fucking alka-seltzer in the morning yeah. right i it's 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 not it's like very un-american i feel like is i don't know if alka-seltzer is an american company the united kingdom is its prime area of business uh because that it was all over the place um and just so much drunkenness but the whole reason for this tangent was because i was in Moynihan Station. Oh, and, right. Yes. <laughs> and I believe <laughs> that I responded to like, what should we talk about? And I wrote back curmudgeons. And I believe it was when I was at Moynihan Station because I thought about 
Daniel Patrick Moynihan. And I'm going to go ahead and betray very little actual historical knowledge of this man. But I thought of like Moynihan and Tip O'Neill and like Reagan and that in those years. And again, I wasn't like, oh, I was a child. I don't know anything that was going on really politically in the 80s. But the the reputation of the 80s is that those dudes, you know, they could be curmudgeonly, but they essentially still got things done and they still work together because that's the other hallmark of a curmudgeon is you could still work with them. They're not fired from the sitcom office. Right. Like it's not exactly you don't fire the curmudgeon. The curmudgeon works within the system. And that's that's part. Dude, that's a great call because that is that is kind of I thought you were getting at. Because Penn Station is a hub for the uh, <laughs> tri-state area commuters who pride themselves on a bit of curmudgeonness. I will say there's something in a Long Island, even the uh, East Coast, yeah. New York energy. There's something in like proudly being a curmudgeon. A yeah, bit yeah, like, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. Christ, no one wants a parade, you know, like shit like that. Like you get to complain about like, oh, well, it looks like this is happening. Now it fucks up my commute and you get to be like a, a cartoon curmudgeon. Right, 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 right. Well, I, and 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 you know what? That energy was also coursing through me in in, in Daniel Patrick Moynihan station. Um I'm, but I'm I, sure, yeah. <laughs> it, it, definitely. But it but it's interesting too, like people talk about New York's New York's New York's New Yorkers <laughs> being being um rude or whatever like i don't know if that's still the reputation um but when i first moved here i i noticed that people were incredibly helpful it's not like anyone was like ah you know go you know i'd be like um excuse me can you tell me like where avenue a is you know they go fuck yourself no like i never got that they would be like oh it's that way like it was just they were direct they're direct they're like but they're very helpful. So I feel like the I forget um, who I explained it one time is like they don't say like you ask someone in New York for directions. They don't say go fuck yourself. They go, it's a uh, fucking uh, it's like fucking six blocks. This way. <laughs> it's still like aggressive. But and, and like maybe would take you aback if you're not adjusted to it. But they are still <laughs> yeah. helping. Oh, and don't eat at this fucking deli. This guy will fucking <laughs> spit on you. But go next, next two, two doors down. Best fucking ham you've ever had. And you're yeah, like, that's you're, the best are thing. you mad at me? And it's like, no, that's just how he talks. All That's how they talk all the time. Yeah. It's funny because it's either that guy that's that's answering, how do I get there? Or it's like a person who lives in New York City that's just a total multilingual like polyglot yes. and they <laughs> yeah. can answer how to get so if you're like a you know you're a french family they will explain to you in french how to get where if you're an italian family they just know Ital like i've seen this happen where one person is answering like questions in multiple languages so you're you're getting like this hilarious um, combination. I yeah, think. there's always a UN translator like right, hanging exactly. around on a corner. Someone, but <laughs> uh, along what you're saying, uh, I've seen like where someone is talking in a foreign language, asking questions, and the person's like, like the person is trying to help them, but clearly doesn't speak their that the native tongue that they speak. But someone walks by and is like. Is this Portuguese? Are they Portuguese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, okay, totally. and then they can speak Portuguese, and you're like, "This city fucking rules." And that's like <laughs> what's thrilling is like, so I, I, I'll help. Maybe it's a little they want to show off that they also speak Portuguese, or maybe they're a Brazilian American who lives in New York and speaks two languages. Right. But there's just always this fun, exciting moment of like, 
eventually on the train, like if someone's like, I don't speak English. Well, what do you speak? I guarantee someone on this F train also speaks it. (laughs) So I I have to be honest. I have 100% been that asshole because I, uh, and this is something that comes up on Fake the Nation. Like I accidentally mentioned more than anyone should ever mention that I lived in Paris. <laughs> and it's uh, you, and you yet, mentioned living in England in like minute two of this episode. I mean, exa- no, exa- I can't. St- I can't. Guys, I have a passport. Everyone needs to know. Um, <laughs> Excuse <stamps> us, <laughs> oh, Miss Fancy. But I have totally been the jerk. That's like French people are asking someone for directions. That person doesn't understand and then i'm like oh uh, je peux vous aider? you know what i mean and i just get in there with like my uh you know with my my parisian affect um and, and i do it and do i do it i probably honestly i do it because it gives me a thrill i do it because yes i'm probably showing off to the stranger who can't understand the french people yes that's probably part of it but you're also um, showing off to yourself, which I don't think to is myself. a bad thing either. You're you're kind of like, you know what? I know this language. Let me see if I can help. You're like the end result is uh helpful. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that's like it doesn't I mean, matter it, your motivation. The, right. motiv- the MO doesn't matter as much if the end result is positive. I no, because like. because the other thing is I want to stop those people. I want to stop all of the parties involved. And I want to say, guys, listen, I lived in Paris. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe it is I, um, a little presumptive then. <laughs> I, no, and like my my first boyfriend in France was a was a cook, and he uh, he casually did cocaine on my really shitty uh, coffee table in my apartment, <laughs> and I just want and I just want to get into like how cool I was for like a very <laughs> short period of, of my time. <laughs> Like, I'm not cool anymore. And you would never know by looking at me that I've ever done anything cool. But for like for like a year and a half, I was really cool. That's <laughs> that awesome. That, I need the everyone French, to know. French stuck with you that hard. That's good. That's a good sign. Yeah. Well, and I um I listened to I mean, I listened to like the French uh John Gabris, basically, a podcast. Um, oh, hell yeah. You know, I listened to like some random things just to keep it going. Cause I, like, otherwise, like you don't really have very many opportunities to like Boom you know. un le fuck boy. <laughs> <laughs> See, you sound like shit, just for the record. <laughs> I hey I, uh, Spanish is my second language that I'm trying to learn. Uh uh, I have no, I have no French, I've, and I've only been to Paris, never lived there. Um, the, yeah, and it's and it's it's useless. So there's no need need to uh, build any French skills. Well, there there is like while we're all talking about France uh, or Paris or France, there is like a American stereotype of French people that they are rude or I I I don't think it's curmudgeonly. I do think it's. Americans seeing the reflection of their own energy in French people. Like I so, cause I had, I, me and my wife have been to Paris several times and I've mm. experienced almost zero rudeness from French yeah, people. They're well, not that rude. One, one time a guy was being like a real asshole to us, but it didn't stand out that he like, I was like, I've been in LA where one, one out of 10 guys is an yes. a- asshole to me. It's nothing. And I realized I'm like, my my wife and I, not to brag, but we are nice 
friendly people who are understanding <laughs> of language barriers and we will just pay yeah. whatever you tell us it costs and you know we uh, we're just excited to be there so i feel like i think a lot of people come back like yeah the paris french people are rude to me i'm like i don't i think you're rude to me right now so god knows how you came across in that cafe dude like like <laughs> The whole when in Rome, when in Paris, you just got to kind of like pl play along a little. You can't like. By the way, did you know that the French have been um, striking because they're they want to change the retirement age from I want to say from 61 to 64 from 62 60 to 64. They want to move it up to only to two years. And it's. Uh, this is so exciting as it's a fucking so amazing. As They're like on uh, the streets. Like, do not take those two years away from the French. They cannot handle it. And they got each other's back so hard. It's like stacks of garbage cans, uh, stacks of garbage bags. None of the trains are running. They're all fucking got each other's back in such a in a way that is so demonstrative that we should be kind. Like, and again, I I know even in my own family despite my family being chock full of union people, they would say something like, these fucking French frogs got to get back to work. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, hey, I wish I could retire at 62, but it ain't realistic, you know? And it's like, no, it is if we fight for it. And that is like, everyone is like making a big deal. And I love that it's two years. It doesn't it's seem- It's two years. It's not, it's actually not, it, it feels so theoretical and like, it seems like such not a big deal. Like, I feel like if it was here, people would be like, First of all, well, we, the reason I... It's already lower than ours, and they're raising it to a, a, an age that still, is still lower than ours. <laughs> and and the, and the interesting thing, this came up, Um, I, I I guess hosted Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me last week, and this was, we were in the writer's room, and this was one of the stories we were considering for, um, you know, as, as like one of the topical stories. And, you know, someone pointed out, like, I don't even, I, we're not like... Our retirement age is such a just vague suggestion. It's just a whisper of a retirement age because no one can actually retire on the money that the government gives you. you know no, I mean? no, no one can retire on the money that the government gives you because our culture is so work focused our entire lives. When work is taken away from some of these people, when they are asked to retire, when they're this thing that they've been looking forward to their whole life. They lose their sense of identity. There's, uh, yes. you know, there's not a support system in place. Like healthcare is kind of a, a, a hassle. There's not, like, being sixty six and uh, retired with your partner. There's not a lot for you to do. Like it's, you know, like money. Everything is requi requires money. Requires money. Yeah. And it's. I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's wild because. It's funny because I, you know, when we were sitting around the table, I was just like, wait, is our retirement age 65 or like, I guess our, our age for Social Security benefits is 65. Right. Right. And then but then no one I know actually retires at 65. And um, and it's interesting because I always thought of my parents as people who are retirement age who were not totally retired. My mom is sort of like semi-retired and my dad is just like not retired. He's a no. doctor and he's just still putting in like, you know, 10 hour, 12 hour days. And, and, and he just feels like he, he would be nothing if he wasn't a doctor. Like he just can't, the idea he still of got retiring. medical loans. He's still got <laughs> <laughs> The predatory but, loan system is my dad is 75. He's a gyno. He's fucking working every day, poor guy. <laughs> but I always thought 
because I thought they were so intense about not retiring because they're immigrants and immigrant mentality is just like work, always work, you know, no fun. Um, this life is not meant to be in any way delightful. And in my um, experience, that goes on for two more generations after you arrive here. Too. I There's mean, so- I, <laughs> I have to tell myself like it's Sunday. It's okay. If you don't do something that's technically work related, like it is so the vibe is so strong in me of being an immigrant an immigrant's kid it's like uh the the workaholism is real yeah well also uh, while we're on this topic our careers these kind of varied uh arts careers i don't necessarily ever want to retire but i don't have retirement in my head at all in a weird way you know what i mean and like, like so wait you don't think about a time when you put the podcast mic down you put all of the mics down you you put away all the scripts. You don't have something looming over your head. It's and hard your job to imagine. Is to chill. It's hard to imagine. A because I am forty-one and have barely any savings. You know what I mean? Like because of this awesome career I chose, which has been very fun <laughs> and and very very conducive to sleeping in and not getting right. drug tested and right. a lot of a lot of fun perks. Some of the cons are. Don't have much in a for in the way of a four hundred one k. Don't have mm-hmm. much in the way of retirement money. Don't have much in the way of nest eggs. So, but also, it is a job. You know, with fucking Clint Eastwood's directing feature films at ninety one. You know, like it is a job you can do later in life because they're, they're, yeah. they're uh, But I think it's like broken. It's all confusing because we're talking sixty five. France wants to move the retirement age from sixty two to sixty four, and French people are protesting. In our country, 65 is, like, young to be a politician. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. It's It's uh, also like... You could be a senator for 20 years starting at 65, which is fucking... My mom is 65 right now, and I can't picture her, like, (laughs) starting a a new... Yeah, like, okay, for sure, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I mean, and Nancy Pelosi, I I don't remember how old she was. I mean, she was maybe in her late 40s or something, but she started her career after having five children. She sort of like got all the kids. I don't know if they were all in college or if they were at least kind of taking care of themselves. But got them to what, set it and forget it rotisserie Exactly. Age. She yeah, got yeah. them into like self-cleaning oven mode and <laughs> and then went into Congress. And I and it's wild. Like she started that remarkable career at, um, at, at a later age. And I think that's crazy. I mean, I do have... I, I do have dreams of retirement, which is funny because my retire like when I dream of retirement, it's that like I'll still do stand up shows, but I just won't do the ones I don't want to do. <laughs> like, uh, it's dude, like I'm still vaguely working. Well, I, I will say my true dream of retirement is I live in a small beach town around L.A. or in Hawaii or another island. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, OK, I got offered to do two episodes of this whatever Stream uh, Halliburton streaming service show that exists in the year 20, 2040, <laughs> 2050 or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I fly in and do two weeks and then go back to my like island house with my hoarding right. of water or whatever the fuck. And- with with President Kylie Jenner uh, doling <laughs> yeah. out her <laughs> policy missives. Oh man, I am it's I'm not being super loud right now because it's early in the morning before I head off to work. Guess what I just chugged? That's right. Athletic greens. I guess you don't have to chug it, but I enjoy chugging it in the morning because I get all that water down in one 
shot, all that vitamins, all that nutrient. So it's it's hard for me to get my supplements in the morning uh, because I get a little nauseous on, when I take pills on an empty stomach. But with athletic greens, I can drink my morning nutrition. So it it's the healthiest thing you could do in just under a minute. It's powerful because it's easy to fit into your lifestyle. You just roll in a couple of swigs, you know, you know, a little a little scoop, a little doot 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 doot, and then it's one scoop powder mixed with water once a day. That's it. Such an easy step to add to your life to just start making healthier choices. So that's why I've come to love and trust AG1 by Athletic Greens. It's packed. You know, you know what I'm about to say. What's it packed with? That's right, 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source super ingredients of the highest quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. Um, I've been, I just get my AG1 in the mail. As a matter of fact, I just went away this weekend for a festival, brought a couple of the little packets with me, the travel packets. Ooh, I never miss a day. Just put it in ice cold water, slam it down first thing in the morning. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens has given you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mighty. That's athleticgreens.com slash mighty. Check it out. March Madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting on the eventual national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Getting started with MyBookie is simple. Visit the website online, make your first deposit, and use promo code MIGHTY to claim an exclusive deposit bonus. That's right. When you go to make your deposit, don't forget to use promo code MIGHTY to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit. With hundreds of thousands of prizes for March Madness and weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn your game day into a payday with my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Ready to bet on your favorite sports teams? Head over to my bookie using the link mybookie.website/highandmighty and enter promo code mighty to score a deposit bonus. Don't wait, start winning today. That's my bookie m y b o o k i e dot website w e b s i t e slash h i g h a n d m i g h t y. Now, going back to the old age of politicians, I, I am not an ageist. But if an, if I was hiring at a company, now this is you're setting yourself up for the most horrendous comment you've ever made. All yeah. right. Go, <laughs> I am not an ageist, but I'm not an ageist. But if an 80 year old person came in to get a job for me, like I was hiring in some capacity, I would not be like, you can't do this job. You're 80. I would go, don't you want to just be around loved ones? Like, what don't you want to not work? Like, and that's how I feel about Biden, who I voted for and, you know, will vote for we'll again vote if, for if again. required. But I just want an 80 year old person to be able to go spend time with their loved ones. Like they shouldn't have to, work. even if that we're in a position where if he doesn't do it, it's a dicey situation for Democrats. Right? Like he, he like who is going to fill that space. Doesn't seem like they're setting anyone up to slide in into. So it seems like it's going to be him. And it's, you're, you want to be like, He's going to work from 81 to 85 as the pre- like we're going to have an 85 year old president in Can this I, last. And I don't know. This is probably not kosher to say or whatever as a Democrat, but I would be OK if he does the job and he just sort of like 
sets it up where he's got all the right kids and the right jobs. And he mostly goes home and it hangs out. Yeah, <laughs> like, figurehead figure stuff. Horrible, is that horrible to say? I mean, Plays with his like, trick. we need a strong, steady hand at the helm. Um, but I don't know. But my know. mom is it's 65, crazy. and I wouldn't want her like alone in an important meeting that I wasn't like keeping an eye on, you know? Don't let like an 80-year-old. I mean, they all have, every politician has a support staff, especially our uh, POTUS, but it is a little something of like, hey, Biden's in there alone with Macron. Do we, should we, should we double check on him? He's like, what is he? He's like, he's going off about trains again. <laughs> He he's on my poop list uh, these days because I thought Macron or Biden, Biden, uh, Macron, I don't have an opinion on, but I guarantee uh, he can maybe get him his make his way onto my poop list. But Biden's currently on my poop list only because you think I thought he would have had train conductors and train employees backs. Like I thought the one thing I know about Biden is that he's like the fucking train guy. He's the Amtrak. And so you're like, Joey Amtrak, let's back these guys up. And to, to vote against their interests that that bothered like i understand he's not going to vote the way i want him to all the time that's something you have to learn to deal with but this one felt like in his wheelhouse of like i love choo choos and it's workers <laughs> rights <laughs> you know? i just want to say that uh, coming into this podcast episode i really didn't think that trains would be the running theme of right? this show. oh my god yeah the moynihan station the fucking uh, <laughs> Biden, <laughs> engineer Joe Biden. Yeah, it's like uh, no, and I, I I could see that. I mean, um, also like I didn't think that you would be so up on train union negotiations. So <laughs> especially as someone, they, someone told me recently that they like got rid of the train line between Los Angeles and San Diego. The Surfliner, um, which is like the most beautiful train ride in LA. <laughs> apparently, you could still take it on the weekends. I don't know. They reinstituted weekends or something. But I just want to say, before they like completely get rid of it, everybody, try and do that one ride between Los Angeles and San Diego. It's, it's so fucking beautiful. delightful. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're in some sort of European paradise. Uh, and then, you know, and then when you get off the train, yeah, there's strip malls and stuff like that and the beauty fades. But when you're on the f- actual Surfliner. A, co- uh, a coastal train, I, I mean... I talked about my Long Island commute, but I in college I went to school in the Hudson Valley and and rode alongside the Hudson River to my internship. Um, that was fucking rad. And then, not to brag, I've only visited Europe, but going <laughs> flying into one city and flying out of another by taking the train in between. I took the train from Paris to Barcelona. I, you know, I've taken the trains all around Europe because I really love public yeah. transit and the idea that you could like not get on a plane but get from one country to another is pretty fucking rad. Like, Oh, it was. So I took a train. I think it was Barcelona. I think it was Madrid to Barcelona. It's an overnight train. The train takes off in the summertime as the sun is setting. I don't, let's say it's like 9 PM or whatever. The sun is setting and they give you like a three course meal. And I mean, wine pairings on a train and then you get into the sleeper car and and it's also not like unaffordable. Like it's a it's like basically I mean, it's a little bit of a splurge, but it's still the basic. And you can can pay to upgrade. a little. Yeah, you can get like into the first class type situation. Still nowhere near a coach flight. Like it's crazy. Yes. I mean, and and I, I mean, this, and I had my, you know, we had our own little like room. I was, uh, you know, I was with another boyfriend at the time uh, who. Don't tell, uh, don't tell your husband. 
I'm, <laughs> I know. I mean, my other, my other husband. I was. Uh, my I was in Europe with family. my other family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is murder to keep up, but let me tell you, I got frequent flyer miles that will make George Clooney jealous. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was amazing. And then, so, but contrast. So that was more like I was a little bit more of an adult when I did that train ride. I did another train ride once from Paris to. Um, to what's that city in Romania, the capital of Bucharest? Yeah. Oh, hell Paris yeah. To, Bu- to Bucharest. No, 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 sorry. No, it wasn't Bucharest. It was to Budapest. It was to Budapest in Hungary. And, um, and I maybe I had some shenanigans the night before. And <laughs> I was maybe worried about those particular shenanigans. So I took a morning after pill on a 16 hour train ride. Ooh, and I know what the morning. I'm a 41-year-old childless man who hasn't worn a condom in 20 years. Familiar with the familiar with what the pill does to both your digestive tract and your emotional yes. state of being. Yes, so yes. that's a hard some, 16 uh, hours, baby. There was some cross-country vomiting that did occur. Uh, <laughs> but I would like to say proudly, no baby was had as a result. So I, uh, that, that also worked out. That was the mission, and it was accomplished. It was accomplished. <laughs> uh, and... While we're talking about this, we we could have that train. I'm not. I'm so like the standard white forty year old white guy leftist podcaster here. But we could have those trains here. We could have that. We life. could. By the way, I mean that is a, the bit one of the big solutions. You know, we like as a comedian, right? I'm on planes all the time. Same. Um. You know, there's there. Uh, luckily, in the northeastern United States, there's a lot of opportunities to take trains between major cities. Uh, but if we had higher speed trains, I mean, I think like it would be a more reasonable option between cities. And people who are afraid of flying, people who uh, flying is a fucking huge hassle. And honestly, if the trains start do- being better and they become an option, planes are going to have to fuck. Planes won't be the only thing in the game and they can't go keep raising prices and shrinking seats and charging you for all. Like eventually yeah. there'll be a light competition where it's like, uh, the amount of flights between L.A. and Vegas per day is fucking insane. And it's that insane. feels like that should the be a perfect train. train how ride. is that not a train? A how hot, is that not a train? How is that not a train? dude? Like, that makes total fucking sense. That seems like the perfect run. Uh, L.A. to San Fran should have a train. So the, the, there are... If, so wait, is there not a train between LA and San Francisco? I bet you there is, but it's but not it's gonna, not like a po- it's not a, a popular one yet. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. it's not going to be a it's not going to be fast. It's not going to be worth right. it for like efficiency. People right, will still right. choose to drive. Like I I I just spent my twenties in New York City not having to worry about having a car, and I just want that for so many other people. Like oh, and, it, I, they really don't. If you've never lived without a car, which I continue to do, and I have done, um, you know, since high school, basically, uh. I love it so much. And I once was randomly at this dinner and I was, um, they sat me next to a guy that was designed, was like one of these futurists designing for BMW or something. Oh. And <laughs> he should be and, designing himself out of a job. Futurists uh, well, should be designing and, themselves and, out of cars. Exa- yeah. Exactly. And I was like, um, and he, he, so he started asking me, he's like, so, um, I'm so curious, like, what's your opinion? Like, what would you want to see out of a car? Like, that's one of our mandates. We're like trying to build a car of the future. And I was like, um, I would love a car that makes it feel more like you're walking. <laughs> like, can it just be that you're walking and then you don't make the car? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Can you make a bunch of cars that link together and travel like fast underground yeah. or on rails? <laughs> yeah, I want that, or I want Fred. That thing Fred Flintstone had is yes. just more like what I'm into. <laughs> Be so weird to drive uh, to ride in a self-driving car that has like the treadmill feet, like those desks that people work at. Like you're like in my car, I walk, and it's like this is just get out and walk at this point. <laughs> By the way, it, speaking of self, self-driving cars, they're, they've designed a feature in the self-driving, in some of them, I don't know which one, at GM maybe, that it will repossess itself if you don't make your payments. Gee, it'll just drive itself directly back It'll just back drive up. itself back to wherever, yeah. Dude, and that, that's, that's another thing while we're on the topic of trains. Yeah. It, eliminating cars for people's lives, like eliminating that expense from some people's lives or only needing one per family because the other one of the, someone else can commute via train to their yeah. job. Like that is so financially freeing. And, and, amazing. and we're not even talking about the environment at this point. We're not even talking about how I feel like car in, in maybe it's going to take 50 years, but I feel like in 50 years, we're going to talk about cars the way our generation talks about smoking. Like, I'm going to be like, yes. everyone was doing it. It's like, I know. And it seemed like a lot of people knew it was because cars kill. Yes. A lot of people die in, in and around car stuff. And it's something that we could technically eliminate. Like, yes. I, I feel like in 50 years, a kid is going to look up like your your grandkid is going to look up to you and be like, Wait, you guys had twelve thousand pound machines that went eighty miles an like, hour, and you were front feet of each away from house? each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Two per house, and they only got bigger. You don't. You're seeing the uh, the <laughs> electric ones. We had fucking six. You know, six thousand pounds. Uh, cars are like some trucks are at. Again, I'm six two, even though I have the face of a five tanner. Trucks, <laughs> trucks, hoods are like at my shoulder now. If I try to put, I street park. If I try to pull out of my driveway or if I'm trying to street park, these cars are so big, it's just completely blind. Well, by the way, and this is, I don't mean to, be, I don't want to be a downer on this pad. Um, Please, but, let's get down. <laughs> let's get curmudgeonly. But there's actual, there's data, uh, or at least there's articles, but there, I think there's data on the fatalities caused by the sheer height of those trucks. And they want to ban trucks being that tall because they can't see um, a short person, like a child, for example, constitutes a short person. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, I've seen extreme. that like diagram that shows like their blind spot, like because of the angle of the hood. You exactly. Could, a three and a half foot person could be standing six feet away from your car and you can't see them. And I find that terrifying. I mean, luckily, like I don't live in a city. I don't actually... You know, when you live in New York City, you like develop some kind of car blindness. Like I don't, I know to stop at stoplight. I don't notice what are these cars? What do they look like? I don't like actually see them. I just know to stop at stoplights um, and wait for the walk sign. <laughs> yeah, you know it, I mean? it might as well be uh, rivers. You know what right. I mean? You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, wait, the yeah, river yeah. stopped. We can afford it now. And just crossing exactly. 6th exactly. Avenue or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, but luckily, I, 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 after reading about this like scourge of tall, overly tall pickup trucks, 
um, I was noticing because I I do have a child. Uh, I I would uh, like for her to generally be safe. Um, I'm pretty. I'm actually pretty uh, intense about it. Yeah, and <laughs> kind of my whole thing. Kind of my <laughs> one of my side gigs is yeah, yeah. keeping them alive <laughs> and keeping them safe and happy. Yeah, I got you. And uh, <laughs> and so I started to like look around and be like, Do we have any of those like tall pickup trucks that I'm reading about? And we don't really have that many in, in Manhattan. It, they're just not as popular. But um, they're not. It doesn't make as much sense for trying to park. <laughs> it or uh, drive it around yeah. yeah yeah we i think we have more smart cars than we do um pickup trucks uh in manhattan but um but man that shit is scary like it's i actually like when i when i read about the fatalities that are caused by those tall vehicles i just got like that sucks uh, a friend of mine who uh, lives in new york city uh his name's charlie todd improv everywhere guy he's a big a proponent of like car his, f- his wife does our show Oh, I'm a big yes. fan of Cody as well. I came up with them at uh, UCB New York. Love Cody. Uh, they, uh, he's a big, and he is the one who opened my mind to, they're not called car accidents. They're called car crashes because it's not an accident if you get these giant cars going 80 miles an hour with four feet of space in between them on a highway. That It's no longer an accident if they crash. It's, a, it's an inevitability. And so it's like these cars are bigger so they're more dangerous, a.k.a. also harder to stop. Heavier. Car- heavier, more powerful, going faster. People are rushing because work, and again, I'm getting all the way back around to, uh, if you're late to work, you get fired, you get fired, you lose health insurance, your family dies. Yes, like, yes, like, it's you know, like, effect. <laughs> yeah, your survival is attached to employment. So you're racing. You, Everyone is in their protagonist syndrome of like, when we're all in a in our cars, everyone else is an asshole. Everyone else is causing you a problem. But when you're on a subway, when you're on the train, you're in it together. And that's just like a different energy. It's a different would, energy. Which would be when one person is is going off, maybe having an emotional disturbance or someone's having a, a mental health situation on the train or someone is just being an asshole on the train. It You get that energy where everyone kind of looks around and sees each other and is like, okay, we're one organism. We're gonna get yeah, to yeah, Jay- yeah, we're yeah. gonna get to Metro Tech and get we're off. We're gonna get through this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what's funny too is like I've never understood fast driving. Like there, I so like I grew up in Palm Springs, California, and it is a retirement community. Um, and uh, also gay, lots of old and gay and old gay people. Yeah, and it is. Uh, and that's you know the the that's um where my Iranian American Muslim immigrant parents uh wanted me <laughs> to grow up, and um, which is awesome because it led to like you know the most interesting um um I think uh place to have grown you know upbringing. But uh the people in Palm Springs drive very slow because they're all very old. And um so my like when I learned how to drive, I was just like, yeah, so you kind of do 20 and a 35. Like that's just what you do. And I and I and I think as a result, I also sort of like developed a fear. Like I just don't, I like very much hang on the speed limit. Like I do, I am not trying to speed if I'm ever in a car, which is already rare. Um and I so I find it so fascinating that people do anything dangerous in a car. Like I'm so risk averse about it. It feels like such a crazy apparatus to be in charge of. And I'm just not like, I, you know, it's sort of like when you pick a restaurant for your friends and you're like, listen, I don't know. I I never ate there, but I managed to get a reservation. Like, don't be mad at me. Like I have that feeling with 
driving. Like, guys, this isn't my normal thing. I don't really like, please don't. I'm going to go so slow that like, if I, if I do hit anybody, it'll just be like a, a light whisper of a touch. Just like, a little, so uh, an, an intimate, an intimate moment between two yeah. vehicles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that's that's funny you because I feel that and it does feel when you have distance from cars when you're not in a car for a couple of years you're not driving for a couple of years you start to be like man Nervous. that thing is like dangerous and threatening yeah. like I don't want to yeah. be oh my god so many blind spots oh my god everyone's going so fast but then if you're because I actually experienced this I drove from like 16 to 20 something uh, in my early 20s. Then I moved to New York City, sold my Jeep Cherokee so that I can live in South Fourth and uh, Bedford in 2006 or whatever. Nice. After 10 years of living car-free life and taking the Metro North to the Hudson Valley or taking the train, taking the F train to Coney Island to go to the beach, I moved to Los Angeles and got a car. And I felt you, that you were nervous at the beginning, insanely nervous. Yeah, but I'm I'm in like four months in completely. I have no mark. Like I'm, I'm behind the wheel of the car, and it do, I do not think about life and death situations right now. It's so funny how quickly you just get adjusted to it in a bad way. Yeah. And I, and I'm yeah, saying yeah, this as yeah, a yeah. negative. Yeah, it's like, it's like thinking back to when you had a car. You're like, Jesus Christ, I used to drive that thing with like two beers in my system. Jesus fucking. Oh Christ. Like, God. You know, yeah, you know oh what my, I mean. Like, oh I my. I barely God. can. I will barely drive a car if I'm chewing a piece of gum. Like, I need to be 100 percent focused. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that's scary to me. <laughs> I, be I believe you. Oh, yeah, it's it's too it's too fucking real. And driving, I watch this fucking segue. You interact with a lot of curmudgeons on the road. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Full fucking circle. Um, it's it's a crazy time out there. I wish. People thought that being a curmudgeon was funny again, but not being absolutely mean. Like this dunk culture is like so I'm over it. I'm over it. It doesn't help. It doesn't shut up the other person. The other person benefits from getting dunked on. Uh, it's so complicated. This like attention ecosystem that we live in. Using MTG as an example, we mentioned her earlier. You used to just be a curmudgeon and you used to just be like, oh, roll your eyes at this freak. But yeah. now she's so full of hate and in a position of power, of power of, of yeah. some power. Yeah. And and as being so full of hate that you, you can't help but feel not curmudgeonly towards her, but to start to feel reciprocated hate. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, fuck. And I don't want I actually don't want to feel that way. And I actually one of the things I started to do on my podcast is kind of actively not try and use the really angry language about those people. Yes. Uh, I, I love that. And and one thing struck me, which is that when Rush Limbaugh died, I remember he had gone to a State of the Union address beforehand and he was very sick. And it was uh, mere, I think, weeks before he died or something. I can't remember. And... And I remember, like the the next day, because 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 Trump had made a whole big mo moment out of that Rush Limbaugh being in the audience and all that stuff. And I remember the uh, the rhetoric around was like weird and it was gross. And I was just like, I can't. That guy has a wife. He has kids. He has a family that loves him. I absolutely hate all of his ideas, you know, and his philosophies. But. But he's like a person and yeah, like just, whether even if I believe the world is fundamentally a better place yeah. with him gone, I don't need to say it. 
I, yeah, I can't, I, I can't, it make, it makes me feel, it makes me feel horrible. And I, something is, is switched like in, for me personally, but also I think, and it's interesting because I think this like Chris Rock, um, Will Smith thing maybe felt like a little bit of a turning point because it's like the slap happened and then a year later the special happens and then the Oscars were like whatever kind of uh, normal um, and nice and the the special had um it's funny because it was just like a special a special a special and then the last ten minutes was like all about the slap right yeah and and it the, he and there was a lot of anger in it and I was like oh I think this anger isn't helping anybody <laughs> like no. and I uh, and I'm not sure how like I don't know how it landed with people or whatever and I'm not even talking about the quality of the jokes or anything like that just like literally the idea of feeling someone's anger from the stage I feel like maybe I don't know I have just this feeling and maybe it's again we, during the 2020 elections we made we had t-shirts we you could still get them um uh, from fake the nation that says we're only doing optimism and that was just my whole thing during 2020 is like I'm not I'm not doing all of the negative I'm not doing it we're only doing optimism on the show and I, and I believe like I have a very strong belief in this country a very strong patriotic feelings I am the dorky like I, I remember buying my first American flag t-shirt and I I don't want to live in a world where it's like I want to be that kind of patriot and it is okay to be that kind of patriot and I don't I I I, I just say long live the curmudgeon um because the curmudgeon has a really beautiful place in um in the in an optimistic American society oh Nikine, that was so that was put beautifully and I want to say I'm in agreement with you but I'm coming at it from a different. My, if I show my work, it, it I end up in the same spot as you as as optimism and as not wanting to bring hate and vitriol towards like an MTG. And here, but here's my my path that got me there. I and this is just classic uh, cynical comedy guy. I know she wants us to be mad. And so oh, to me, that's another great point. Yeah. So now, I, I, obviously, I'm playing mind games with a stranger who's not thinking about me at all. But <laughs> for me, uh, I'm you know, like, she, this could be the first thing she downloads this podcast every week. But it's one of those things where I know she wants us to be angry, and more, even more so than her. The people who helped get her in power, and I'm just going to use the people in quotes, whatever this shadowy, powerful people. I'm, I'm not going yeah. full uh, cons conspiracy yet, but she's running cover for way worse shit that's happening. You know what I mean? Like she's a congresswoman in Atlanta. She really in Georgia. She doesn't have like full power to steer policy in uh, federal like in America, but she does draw all our attention while God knows what's happening in back rooms. And we're just like, we got to get her out of office. We got to get it. Like we need, and we do, but she's achieving her goal and we're allowing it by dunking on her, retweeting her going, you fucked your CrossFit teacher or whatever. Like that shit doesn't <laughs> matter. That shit doesn't yeah. matter at all. What matters is bad. She's doing bad policy and she's allowing other people to do even more evil shit because we're down here dealing with the little infestation of termites. Meanwhile, someone's removing our roof and putting something, you know what I mean? Like someone is in underneath our foundation drilling holes in the concrete and we're like, 
oh no, we have a rat infestation. Like we're concerning ourselves with these issues. And it's like, and I know that's part of her plan. So that makes me want to go. I'm not playing your attention economy game. I'm not dunking on your tweets. I'm not quote tweeting you with a funny joke and feeling good and feeling like I've changed America in any way. I'm going to quietly not enjoy you at all. I'm going to dislike you strongly, but you're not going to hear me. I'm already said her name so much that she's going to pop up like Beetlejuice in my life, but (laughs) I I am not going to give you what I, I know you want. You know, you know what I mean? Like when you have a performer sense and you're like, this guy wants me, this person, this performer yes. wants me to do blank, but I am not going to fall for this BS right now. Oh my like, God. You know, she's looking at her menchies on Twitter like a hundred times a day. Yes. And someone's going, hey, every time you post something like anti-drag, we notice a huge uh, uptick in follows. And she's like, great. That's my angle. That's yep. what my angle is. Just chasing the fucking poison. Like, let her, let her do that. Let's, let's prevent that person from having power let's prevent that power from doing what it wants it's not we're not going to stop we're not going to make things more equitable we're not going to re- get the middle class back by quote tweeting mtg by dunking on josh hawley like that shit's not going to revert society to a kinder place like we have to make we have to do more than that like be a curmudgeon go like oh this fucking lady with her right here she goes again on be that person, fine. But we don't have to be hateful. We, be, we can, yes, we can ignore. I, I'm I'm in the world of mind your business politics lately. Like of like, uh, who cares what their genitals look like? At minimum, mind your business. Like you don't have yeah, to be yeah, supportive yeah, yeah, of yeah, anything. Yeah. But at minimum, mind your business. Go, turn around. You're. Look at your own house. Deal with your own house. Mind Which, your by the business. way, the libertarian like streak within the Republican Party it used to be or was very fundamentally a mind your business like yes. part. Like they don't want government doing the da 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 da. Like that was their whole thing. So it's odd that they're now so up in people's <laughs> crotches. Yeah, it's like liber- libertarians like pulled pulled over and let a bunch of weird Christians in their car because it was like, yeah. we're all going to the same location. It's like, oh, yeah, hop in, guys. And they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, I hope it's cool. Like, uh, we'll give you gas money, but we're uh, Christian fascists. It's like, oh, OK, but <laughs> wait a second. We'll keep <laughs> we'll keep our guy in power. All right. And how do you feel about weed? OK. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> we'll ride with you for as long because it's like. It's kind of antithetical. It's, it's, an un, it's, an, it's an uneasy alliance. I mean, yes. it's an uneasy alliance. And I think like it it can only last for so long. And we're seeing, I think, actually now that it can't last for that much longer. Like, how could you be a libertarian and support like in any book banning or uh, canceling of what uh, parents want to bring their children to or what a child wants to call themselves or what a pa- what someone how they want to go to the bathroom? Like the second the government is involved. That should be, that should get the libertarian hackles up a little. Right. But, absolutely. And, and so that it, it, we're in it now. We're deep into it now. Let's see some of these guys. Let's see some of these, these fucking uh, libertarian heads. Let's see some of them, you know, put their money where their mouth is a little here. Like uh, let's, let's, let's speak up a little bit about how small government has gone. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't feel like it. If we got people watching elections, that doesn't feel small anymore. <laughs> like, <that's- laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So curmudgeons. There you go, Nagin. I went curmudgeons. off on I went off on a class. I'm just auditioning to guest on Fake the Nation. That's all. I'm just uh... <laughs> anytime. No, I love where we came. I got to. I love that we've defined the the like how curmudgeons are beloved and what we're yearning for. Like that is uh that's exactly um that's exactly the right conclusion. We landed on it. Yeah, if you're feeling angry, turn the dial to curmudgeon, not to major asshole. Just keep it keep it in the keep it in the yellow and the orange of, of yes. curmudgeonly. That's all. We don't need to go red. Let every let them them being the angry. Let them exhaust themselves the angry, being yeah. angry. Like let the, like that. We don't have to play in that world. But it's when someone's rights are being encroached and someone's life is at risk. It's hard not to. Carry I mean, that I get anger. it. Yeah, right. I, I get cr- the anger. I just I'm, I don't want to. I'm not joining in anymore. Yes, I'm I'm going to use my privilege to try not to be full like because of my situation as being a white straight male uh, who lives in a, a blue state. I'm going to just at least not add dunking on dumb takes as because you're just giving it more air. We're yeah. just paying more attention. Chris Rock just gave Will Smith another round of talking about him. Whether yeah. it, whether it really helps or hurts, he's all press is good press. You know, we keep we keep these motherfuckers uh, in in conversation. It's we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> like, it exactly, exactly. <laughs> Specifically at this point, I'm doing it. Nagin's literally like, "Let's change the subject," and I'm like, "This what we can't do is give." And I'm like listing Marjorie Taylor Greene's accomplishments. I keep accidentally like promoting her. I'm like. <laughs> Just go to her website right now and see how bad she is. It's like, no, no. <laughs> Send her money comedian, so you can get on her email list. <laughs> a comedian told me once a few years ago, like, hey, Nagin, you should write more like incendiary takes on the news and you'll get more Twitter followers. And I was like, oh, God. And that's what's broken about the Do oh. you not know me at all? But, you know, and also just like that's exactly it, because a lot of people notice when they write an incendiary take, they get more followers. It goes viral that, uh, you know, um, well, it, it, I, it, I, I would be honest, like w- like w- the t- half the work I do is just like not in that space at all. And so right. it's just like not, you know, I have to work harder to get attention for it because I'm not trying to fucking totally take a dump on everything all the time. <laughs> same, same. I'm trying. I I do a weekly post things I love this week, and I just like try to get get gas up compliments because all I see is bad takes on stuff where I'm like, oh, I I didn't love The Last of Us, but it was fine. And people are like, <laughs> it fucking is the antithetical to society and art. And I'm like, whoa, okay, never mind. Logging off. Let me get the fuck out of here. <gasps> Speaking uh, of logging off, way, I, lo- I liked Last of Us. Me too. I liked it. I didn't feel I played the games. I liked the games even more than the show. But I I'm oh wait, can it. I now that you're now that we're here? I know we're we're trying to wrap up, but like now that we're here, can I just ask you a quick question? Sure. When you play, I play no zero video games. But when you play a video game like that, do you end up having emotions, or is it just more of a like I'm just murdering things? Some games are kind of devoid of emotion for by design or by like by not affecting me last of us. And this is my only complaint about the show. Last of us is such a cinematic video game that we're in a sort of like snake eating its own tail by turning it into a show in my book Uh. a little bit, because it's very storytelling. It's a little on rails and it's the first game I ever cried during. Uh, okay, so you do. Okay, so it, it, it does get you. Okay, it makes sense okay. that someone was like, "We should make this into a TV show," but it already has such a strong story arc and character development that it 
the show feels like I feel like the show is like riding off that in a way that maybe if you watch this show raw, like, I don't know how much that the, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the finale of this season meant to some people, but in the game, it's really kind of a heavy moment. And then has uh spoiler for season two, heavy consequences. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm that's so all I'll excited. say. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just wondering. Cause I was like, I'm having a lot of emotion watching the show, but like I, you know, as someone, I, I mean, I tried to play a video game once because I had a crush on a boy and like, you know, when I was 14 or something. Don't uh, tell your husband. True. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Don't keep the pattern up. <laughs> that's truly the last time that I have t- touched a video game. Uh, uh, well, I, I got a place. Uh, last of Us is PlayStation only. I'm a formerly an Xbox guy in the pandemic. I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting a PlayStation playing these PlayStation games I've never played before, including Last of Us and Last of Us 2. So the game takes place in a post-pandemic kind of world, too. Right, so to which sit- is a strange choice for yep. a pandemic play. A hundred percent. I definitely uh, was part of the reason I was weeping. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, like, the game is really interesting, and the, and the voice acting is really good, and the story is very small in the way that the show is of the Joel and Ellie stuff. But, like, you really care for both of them. And, like, the opening of the game is Joel's daughter getting shot. Like, you know, like that is like that happens in the game. Like you, Jesus. you go through that in like minute nine of playing this game. And then you're in it for several hours after that. It's fucking, oh it, it was really, it, it's really amazing storytelling. I think the show is doing a pretty good job. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I, if anyone's really loving the show, they should maybe give the game a chance. It is kind of on rail. Do you think cool it's someone as a game, a person that has never played a video game could play? It, like, um, should I give it a chance or you're like, you're all right, Nikki. Uh, maybe, maybe not, because you might not have like just that basic uh, dialogue of how games work. That yeah, makes yeah. I, don't, and, I have like I lack the basic de- dexterity. Right. You'll have to like to even have to, hold like, a thingy or whatever right. that is that you hold. It's like, can I learn to write uh, French? It's like, well, we have to get you to like hold the pencil first. Like, with, right, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the problem yeah, gotcha. with video games. It's like, if the barrier to entry is is not even about the game itself at this point with you. you right, know, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> the medium itself is difficult. <laughs> uh, Got it. Okay. But where can uh, my listeners, the shitheads, where can they find you? I know we're headgum fam, so I know we got uh, Fake the Nation, but tell my listeners a little bit about the show. Folks, yeah, Fake the Nation, it's, um, we have, it's a two-person uh, two panel and me, and the two people are usually, you know, we had Samantha B on a couple weeks ago. We have uh, people like Margaret Cho and um, Isaac Mizrahi and people, oh, hell like, yeah. uh, and people like Jack Gabris who will uh, be on the show for sure. Um, <laughs> Thank but also, God. you know, the, the whole world of comedians, um, come on this show and we, we cover three topics from, um, the news and from culture and, you know, we just have a really good time and, uh, we riff and we, and we figure out America and we solve all of our problems, but we also talk about like, you know, poop and cargo pants. Like it's a, just a wide ranging um, set of topics that we cover. So it's super fun. And you can, you know, you can catch that show wherever you download uh, your podcasts. Yeah. Well, you're if you're listening to this podcast currently, whatever app you're listening to that on, take your phone out right now, open up, search Fake the Nation and subscribe. Now, 
preferably you get around to listening to it, but at minimum, just subscribe and let it sit. Like at least give us give us the juice. Listen Start to it there. is ideal. Start there. Yeah. <laughs> but at least if you're not gonna if you're like, I don't have I don't even listen to podcasts. I'm randomly this is playing in my dentist office or whatever. Just subscribe and let it sit, man. We we can use the numbers at minimum. But at I highly minimum. recommend giving it a listen. Uh, um, I think you'll have a good time. We, I uh, did. We, we all do. Oh, hell yeah. Well, Nagin, thank you so much again for coming on High and Mighty. If uh, you want to follow me, uh, listen to my other podcast, Action Boys. We talk about action movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We got some free episodes, but it is a Patreon podcast. And also check out 101 Places to Party Before You Die, now on HBO Max. Bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. <laughs> it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> now... Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to, like, see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. (laughs) It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Well, there's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. You wake up after a few years and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. <laughs> what? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room here. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.